of the mountain. That you know at 14,000 feet is how high Pikes Peak is. And at that altitude, the air is thin, the air is cold, it's crisp. The hike was arduous getting to the top. And Catherine, being a school teacher from Massachusetts, was quite worn out when she got to the summit of Pikes Peak. And yet she wrote these words when she viewed. She said, all of the splendor of America seemed displayed right there in that one view. And it seemed that the arduous journey and the hike and the ride in the wagon was washed away by just the beauty and the splendor and the awe of America as she looked out over the country. And she began to pen these famous words that we've already sang this morning. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains, majesties, above the fruited plains. America, America, God shed His grace on thee and crowned thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. This Monday morning, this was the inspiration for the message today. I got up Monday morning, this past Monday morning, singing that song in the kitchen. And Lisa didn't like my version of it, but it's okay. I was singing it in the kitchen, and I got to that point where it said, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. And I paused in the kitchen, and I I prayed. I said, Lord, it's getting harder and harder for me to pray for my country. We've gotten so wicked, and I can think of so many things that's wrong with our country. And can I continue to ask you to bless America? Can I continue to ask for you to shed your grace on us? And I'll answer that question at the end of the message. But I begin to think about ways, and my mind begin to turn ways that We've become so wicked in our country. In so many ways, we've turned our back on the God who established our nation. In so many ways, we've turned our back on the Bible that men, good men, godly men, based the freedom of this nation on. Can we still pray God shed His grace on thee? The church that should have remained salt is now trampled under the modern day media. The church that should have remained the light on the hill has now compromised with the world and compromised with sin and darkness is invading our land. The house of God has gotten, we've gotten ashamed of our Lord. And Jesus said, whosoever is ashamed of me, he said, and of my words... Of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and in the power of the holy angels. Have we become ashamed of being a Christian today? Has the world shamed us and silenced us for what we believe, for what we stand in? Oh, let me say and let you say with Paul the Apostle, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to all who believeth. If you become ashamed, you lose your power. And the world has shamed us. 
Oh, you're a narrow-minded person. You believe that this is sin and that is sin. You believe that this is wrong and that is wrong. Let me tell you something. If the Bible says it's sin and wrong, I believe it. I unashamedly. Oh, you're so narrow-minded. You're so radical. Let me tell you something about radicalism. Our forefathers were so radical that they boarded a wooden ship and sailed across the ocean for freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience. If that isn't radical, I don't know what is. They were radical, buddy, wanting freedom. They were radical wanting a country. They were radical wanting a place of worship. You know what we've become? A bunch of compromised sissies. I'm not going to compromise. Amen. The world tried to shame us. Oh, narrow-minded. Let me tell you something about being narrow-minded. I'm not narrow-minded. I've probably got one of the biggest libraries that I read and I read and I read. i got probably got one of the biggest libraries now of anybody in my county. Let me tell you how narrow-minded I am. There's a broad way, the Bible says, that leads to destruction. Amen. I'm not narrow-minded, but I'm on a narrow way. <laughs> Amen, preacher. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how narrow-weighed I am. I believe there's one way to heaven, and his name's Jesus. I believe there's one mediator between God and man, and his main name is Jesus. I believe there's one salvation that was provided on the cross of Calvary. One. Amen. I believe there's one blood that was shed for all of mankind. One. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe the Bible says there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. If you want to call me narrow-minded for believing that, help yourself. Praise God. The number one sin in America is tied to what I just said. You know what it is? Pluralism. You know what pluralism is? Pluralism. Pluralism is the opposite of singular. Pluralism is this. Any road leads to God. Pluralism says choose your way, do it your way, and you can still get to God. Pluralism says follow your heart. If you want to be a sodomite and worship God, find you a church. My Bible says that to look at Sodom and Gomorrah for an example of that and see what God thinks about a sodomite. Amen, preacher. Oh, just follow your heart. Just If you like to drink, just go ahead and drink and worship God. Well, my Bible says that no drunkard shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Huh. Oh, if you want to practice adultery and sexual sins and sexual lewdness, just, you just find you a church and worship God. Pluralism. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I believe in singularism. There's a Christ, there's a cross, there's, there is grace, praise God, but there's a narrow way. Look at 2 Timothy. The Bible says, before we get there, there is a way, the Bible says, that seemeth right unto a man, 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. Instead of one nation under God, we've become one nation under many gods. And Oprah Winfrey is promoting that. You're welcome. The Today Show is promoting that. The news media is promoting that. I'd rather be one nation under God. Singular. When we've become one nation under many gods, you might as well get you a Harry Potter, which outsold the Bible in the past two years. Amen. Hey, what are you saying? Should I pray God shed his grace on these? Number two, a form of religion. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinence, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Number two. Number one, we've become a nation of pluralism. Number two, we've become a nation for those who still adhere to a religious belief. We've become formal. Formal. Form. The form is what you pour concrete into. You build a form, and that form holds the concrete. You can't build a house on the form. You got to pour the. I don't want a house built on the form. I want a house built on the concrete. And this form thing, we've having a form of godliness. You know what's wrong with our churches today? They've become formal. We follow a format. We're all about formality. Let me tell you something. I want to. I don't want to go to church where there's just a form. I want to go to church where there's power where the Word of God is preached. I want to worship with other people who love the Word of God, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who want to hear the truth and have a desire to hear the truth preached in power and conviction. Number three, there's no fear of God. Our nation has become a nation that doesn't fear God. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't fear God, you're a fool. You have no wisdom. <laughs> you lose your wisdom, you become a foolish nation. We become an intelligent nation, but a stupid nation at the same time. We're, we've got technology everywhere. We're advancing technology and retarding the souls of men. Let me say that again. We're advancing technology and retarding this very soul and spirit of men. Amen. No fear of God. Huh. Let me tell you something about that fear of God. You can't repair that with an executive order. You can't fix it with an act of Congress. Solomon said, here's the end. He looked in all the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and he looked out and he said, here's the end of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. If you could bring the Bible down to one verse, it wouldn't be John 3.16. It would be fear God and keep his commandments. John 3.16 is a part of that, no doubt. But we've become a foolish nation. 
The Bible says that it is as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God. Amen. Number four, pride. Let me tell you something about pride. We just come through last month was supposed to be pride month. Let me tell you something about pride, the scriptural thing about pride. God said, I hate pride. Now, understand something, Christian. I'm looking you dead in the eyeball, and I'm telling you, God hates pride in the Christian as much as he hates it in the sinner. So now, wait a minute. Let's think about this. If God hates pride, just pride all together, and God hates sin and you put someone who is proud of their sin together, that's an abomination unto God. I mean, that's like taking the two things that God hates the worst. It's like throwing dirt in the face of God. You know what an abomination is when the Bible says something is an abomination unto God? It is something that is highly detestable. Amen. Yet our country's been hijacked by the wicked companies Businesses, retailers, manufacturers bow down to this LGBTQIA. They've added IA. Don't ask me what it means. I don't even know. They've not only hijacked the rainbow, they've hijacked the alphabet. Praise God. I don't even know where that came from. That's the truth. Sin is still sin. It doesn't mean I hate people. It means I hate sin. Sin destroys. God judges sin. It doesn't make me a homophobic. It makes me afraid of God. I'm preaching about the fear of God and pride. Then greed. Folks, we live in a greedy nation. If you don't think I'd go to the grocery store and the gas pump today and tell me that it isn't greed. It's greed. And in the numbskull that we got for our president, you're welcome. Amen. Gets out there and says, oh, well, the oil companies are making too much money. Well, you're the dude who can do the most about it. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh. <laughs> you got to wait till the end of the message when I say God shed your grace on us. <laughs> amen. Greed. The Bible says, he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. If you're greedy of gain, you're going to cause trouble in your home. Amen. If you're greedy of gain, you're going to cause trouble in your country. We are so greedy that we think we can just print money out of the air and spend our way out of poverty. Adrian Rogers said this, you cannot spend your way out of recession nor borrow your way out of debt. Wow. Huh. Number seven, deception. Deception. Greed was number six. All right. Deception, number seven. Huh. The media hides truth and presents lies. We muffle truth and mainstream lies. And you know why? Lies sell. And you know why lies sell? 
Please get this verse. The Bible says that a wicked doer giveth heed to false lips. That is, the person who does wicked wants to hear wicked. And they're easily deceived by false words. And they even joy in false words. They latch on to false words. You know what's wrong with our country? We've got a country who is wicked and they want to be deceived. And deceit sells. And you and I who want the truth and facts and standards, we have to dig, dig, and dig to find truth. It's deception. Mainstream the lie and muffle the truth. Number eight, we don't believe that there is accountability. We're, we're educating our kids that there's no accountability. There's, there, there's no standards. There, there's no creator. If there's no creator, then there's no judgment at the end of the world. Live like you want. Live it up like you want. You've got one life. You better go for the gusto, buddy. And the gusto's a Pabst Blue Ribbon. The gusto was everything you can get in life. We're teaching our kids that. No accountability. No responsibility. No consequence for your sin. Live any way you want to. My goodness. Can I still pray God shed his grace on thee? When that's the standard of our education system, no consequence for sin, no, no final authority, and subsequently, number nine, that leads us to absolutely no repentance. Amen. If people don't believe there's an accountability for sin and a consequence for sin and a responsibility to live right, then what's the reason to repent? When a, when a nation fails to repent of its sin... Huh, it's headed for destruction. No contrition, no brokenness. We've transgressed the laws of God. And listen to me, young people, we're about to find out as adults and as a nation that there is consequences to sin. That God finally says, I have had enough. Amen. He does. Let me tell you something about that. When God finally says, I read this the other day. It said at the end of the world that God's really not just going to get angry, that, that, that he's just kind of going to get tired of everything going another way than he wanted, and he's just going to fold everything up. Well, that's not Scripture. The Bible says that the day of the Lord is a day of wrath. The Bible says that the day of the Lord is a day of vengeance. There is a consequence to sin, and I'm afraid this nation is soon going to find out what consequence it is. No repentance. The Bible says in Isaiah 5, they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Let's consider the operation of his hands. The Bible tells us to lay some things to heart. That is a scriptural thing to do. Lay it to heart. A pandemic sweeps our world and we don't lay it to heart. World War III is about to, I mean, it's on the precipice of breaking out and we don't lay it to heart. Our earth, the upheavals of even nature that we've experienced even this week are saying, are telling us there's a consequence to sin. God will judge. Hey, we need to lay some things to heart. Amen, preacher. Number 10, 
The final sin that I thought of in America, before we get into God's grace, we're trusting in our military. The source of our security is our military. Let me tell you something. Read your Bible. And every time the nation of Israel trusted in their sword, trusted in their strength, trusted in their armament, trusted in the battles that they had already won, God let another nation wipe the floor with them. Don't trust. I'm sorry. I know some of y'all military... You don't, you've been out of the military too long. I just read a quote from a general. Here's what he said. He said, if you really knew the state of the United States Air Force, you wouldn't sleep at night. Yet in America, we're trusting our securities in our military. The Bible says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. The horse is prepared for battle, but safety is of the Lord. The horse is prepared for battle. You can arm all those Sherman tanks. You can arm all of those. What is the new? Is a T something? I forget now. Anyway, you can arm. You can arm all of that up. The Bible says you can build up your nuclear weapons. You can have your tanks, your armaments, your armies, your air forces. But security is in the Lord. Amen. I wish we could get a hold of that as a nation. <laughs> We're trusting in man. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, Thus saith the Lord. You want a direct quote from God? Cursed is the man that trusteth in, in man and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. God said, I don't care how strong your arm is or how swift your legs are or how big your military is. I'm the one who secures your nation. Oh, my. Oh, the Bible says... Oh, sinful nation. <laughs> One lyric of the song we're talking about, America, God shed his grace on thee, says this, and crown thy good with brotherhood. When you don't have very much good, you're not going to have brotherhood. <laughs> What's wrong with our brotherhood? Well, we got conservative versus liberals. We got women versus men. We got country people versus city people. Amen. We're divided on every hand. We're divided over issues like health care, immigration, religious freedom. We're divided on marriage. We're divided on education. We're divided on even the electric grid. We're divided on how, divided on how to handle the environment. We're divided on spending. The Bible says, Oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors and have forsaken the Lord, and they've provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backward. Wow. So what about my question? I've got to finish the message. What about my question? Can I still pray the prayer out of everything I just preached? Can I still pray the prayer? God, shed your grace on us. God, can you still bless America? As liberty stands in the harbor, 
With her torch out raised, do we still have personal liberty? Do we still have religious liberty? Do we still have justice for all? Can I still pray God shed his grace on thee? God's Listen, here's the definition of grace. Is God gives us something that we don't deserve. So can I still pray for grace? The answer is yes. We don't deserve it. Hey, our nation as a whole does not deserve God's grace. But listen, when I bowed down as a sinner, I deserved hell, but I asked for grace and got it. Maybe, just maybe, that if I'll bow down now and ask for grace and say, God, we're a sinful nation laden. He just said us laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children of corruptors. Lord, we are all that, but can you show us a little grace? Absolutely, I should pray that. Oh, my. As Liberty stands in the harbor with her declaration of freedom, yes. How can I pray God shed his grace on thee? Because the Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God, help me to pray for grace. The Bible speaks and says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If we're ever going to find grace for our sin and grace for our future and grace for our children and for our grandchildren, we better pray for grace now. Amen. God forbid that I not pray. God shed His grace on thee. The Bible talks about the dispensation of grace. The Bible talks about the riches of His grace. The Bible says to let our speech be seasoned with grace and seasoned with salt. The Bible says that we're to sing with grace in our hearts. The Bible says that when we come before the throne of God, that it is a throne of grace. My goodness. God forbid that I should come before the throne of grace and ask for judgment. Amen. God forbid that I come before the throne of God and ask for judgment. I mean, I mean if he gave us judgment, we'd be like Sodom and Gomorrah. God forbid that I come before the throne of grace and not ask for grace and ask for justice. If he gave us justice, we'd all be in hell. Amen. God, help us to pray for this wonderful, amazing grace. God, help us to pray that he would beseech and beseech his mercy on America, that we should fall in confession and repentance of our sins and ask for the grace of God. Yes, sir. I thought about this. When I thought about should I even pray for this country anymore? I'm serious. I thought that. Here's the thought that struck me. What if George Washington were standing right there and I made a statement? Should I pray for this country? You know what I think he'd do? I think he'd look at me and say, what are you talking about? Look at me at Valley Forge. Look at the pictures and the portraits that have been painted of me praying on my knees at Valley Forge. I fought and gave my life, my wealth, everything I had for this nation. And George, you can't pray for it. That's right. 
I can hear those words coming out of the mouth. You say, you've got a wild imagination. I don't either. That's the truth. He ought to walk up and smack me right in the jaw if I don't pray for America. Amen, preacher. (laughs) What about George Marshall? I talk about the Georges. What would George Washington say to George Jesse if I didn't pray? What about George Marshall when Hitler rose up in Europe and he gave his life, he gave his family, he gave his wealth, he gave everything he had to become a hero in World War II to train soldiers. What would George Marshall say to George Jesse if I failed to pray for America? I think he would look at me, take his helmet off his head, slam it on the ground and say, I sent soldier after soldier after soldier into battle to die for your freedom and you can't get on your knees for American ask for the grace of God I'm getting a little passionate about this thing what about General George S. Patton have y'all read some of the language he used I can't use it in church what would George S. Patton say to George B. Jesse if I didn't pray If I said, I'm just not going to pray anymore. America's gotten too wicked. America's not what the nation used to be. What would George S. Patton say to me? I think he'd look at me and say, hey, I led soldier after soldier into battle. The Battle of the Bulge, one of the worst fights in all of history we were trying to get to Berlin Germany and we did everything we could do to get there for the cause of freedom and George Jesse you can't bow on your knees in perfect peace and drive a nice car to Gross's Creek and get in front of a people who dress nice who look nice I mean we went through hell for you we went through the mud for you we went through the blood for you so you could get on your knees and you won't get on your knees in a nice suit and pray God have mercy God shed his grace on thee I think Patton would smack me right in the mouth with his helmet that's what he'd do (laughs) amen God help me for even having that thought that we had become so wicked that should I even pray anymore? I've had other preachers ask me that question. Maybe that's what got me to thinking about it. I don't know. What about the men and women who gave their lives? Listen, they gave everything they had, and I, 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 I'm not going to pray. <laughs> what about your forefathers, your fathers, your grandfathers? I look at Smith County. Do you realize that your forefathers came to this county and cut these trees down and cleared these fields with axes? Man, they didn't live, but I mean, 47 years old was an old age for somebody born in 1900. They literally worked themselves to death to clear these fields and to make this country what it is. And you and I would say, ha. It's, it's too late. Oh, the liberals have taken over. The sodomites have taken over. Oh, this has taken over. Right, let's just give up. I'm not giving up. Amen. I'm not giving up. I'll give up this country when the Lord takes me home. Amen. I say, oh, listen to me. 
I say with every ounce of fiber in me, with all the passion that I can, I'll say, church, let's pray. God, please continue to shed your grace on America. We've gone too far. We've come too far. We've gone too much in the will of God. There's, listen, there's still some churches in this country preaching the word of God. There's still some people who want to worship God. There's still some people who believe in freedom. There's still some people who believe in America. Hey, what a victory just here a while back when they overturned Roe versus Wade. That gives me hope, praise God. Glory to God. God, help us to pray, pray for mercy for compassion, for God's grace, for wisdom, for strength, for courage, but most of all, that God would lead us from here by His Spirit to a better and more righteous and more godly America from here. Grace, i got to close. Last verse I'm going to give you. Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul was... Surrounded by sinners. Timothy was surrounded by sinners. (laughs) And Paul didn't write to Timothy and say, Well, Timothy, you're just surrounded by evil and you're surrounded by wicked. Just get out. Just leave. He didn't say that. He wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. You don't have to turn there. can if you want to. Turn there if you don't mind. You're in three. Flip back to two. Timothy, you're surrounded by sinners. Timothy, you're surrounded by corruption. Timothy, you're surrounded by all the evil and the wickedness in the world. But here's what I want you to do. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus Church, here's what I want to say. I don't care how wicked this country gets, you be strong in grace. I don't care how corrupt our government gets, you be strong in grace. I don't care what goes on in your life and in your community and in your world. I don't care what goes on in the economy and in the military. You be strong in grace. Now here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to do this this morning. It's still early. I preach my guts out and it's still early. I want you to come to this altar. Many of you will. We'll make room. I want you to line these aisles. I want you to pray for this country. God, shed your grace on us. Don't give us justice. Don't give us judgment. But give us mercy and grace and compassion. Let's all bow our heads. She's going to play. They're already coming. Come on, slip out of there. Man, if... (laughs) Hey... Don't you dare stay in your seat. Get out. We, this, this whole church ought to be on its knees. Oh, my. Pray for America. Pray that we'll continue to win the battles. Pray that God will bless us. Come on, stream out. If you can't get out, just get on your knees in the aisle. Get up here in the choir. I don't care. We need to pray if Gross's Creek, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray, then will I hear from heaven. I will heal their land. I will forgive their sin. God, help us to be people of prayer and pray for this great 
nation, it can be great again. I'm not going to give up on America. I'm not going to give up on the righteous things of God. I'm not going to let George Washington down. I'm not going to let George Marshall down. I'm not even going to let old cousin George Patton down. I want to be strong in the grace of God for our country. Thank you. Thank you for responding to that. With every fiber of my being, I meant what I just preached. God help me. Let's pray before your knees get tired. Thank you for coming. Thank you for kneeling. Thank you for humbling yourself. Just keep playing, Lisa. I'm going to pray. Oh, God. We come before you as a church. And we realize as we read the Bible that Daniel bowed before you and he confessed the sin of his nation. Lord, right now, we confess as your people the sins of our nation. Oh, God. All this corruption that we've just preached about as we read in 2 Timothy. We're guilty, Lord. We're guilty. We're guilty of murdering over 60 million babies. Thank you that it was overturned. Lord, we realize evil is going to come again. But God, we realize that our nation is greedy. We realize that our nation is soon going to face the consequence of our sin. But Lord, we ask right now for your grace. Oh God, would you be merciful to us as a nation? Lord, so much has been given to develop this nation is free. And because of the freedom, we can have church, we can have our faith, we can have our conscience, we can have our Bible. God, would you let freedom ring in this country in the future? God, would you let liberty be proclaimed throughout the land that we might worship you freely? Yes, Lord, we confess our sin, we repent, but we ask for your grace. And oh God, for this church this morning, these precious, precious people who've come here, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be people of prayer and stay on our knees before God. We want to praise you for the cross of Calvary. Praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise you for the blood. Praise you for the salvation. We want to praise you, Lord. Lord, we'll give you glory. Thank you for pouring your spirit out on us this morning. Oh, we don't take that lightly, Lord, that you poured your spirit out. Thank you so much for that great spirit of Christ. Now, Lord, dismiss us from this place in your love. May we leave this place in grace, with grace in our hearts and grace in our speech and grace in our song, praying for grace for this wonderful country. Would you bless the remainder of this holiday weekend? Would you keep our people safe as they go their own ways and celebrate in their own ways? And God, would you watch over them? Lord, would you bless our church to grow and give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's the ultimate gospel of freedom. And we pray these things in love and magnification of you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.